No me importa lo que de mí se diga Vive usted su vida, que yo vivo la mía Que solo es una, disfruta el momento Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Scalora Dance Sport. I'm Alessandro Scalora, and I'm your host. Today, I have another amazing interview lined up for you. Uh, today, representing the country of Slovenia, ladies and gentlemen, I have Tiasha Vulic. Hello, Tiasha. Hey. How, how are, are you, you this morning? Well, it's not quite morning here. It's oh, afternoon. Right. So I'm great awake finally after the second coffee. Um, but yeah. Okay, very nice. I have I have my own coffee right here. It's 9 a.m. here for the boss. Oh, the boss, obviously. <laughs> the boss. Now, a little bit about you. Um, so our viewers also know you're two times 10 dance world champion, vice show dance world champion, European championship finalist, as well as super grand P and Grand Slam finalist. That is quite the record. Congratulations. Yeah, that is you. amazing. You know, it's so funny when you're actually competing and dancing, you don't really think about all those things because you're mm -hmm. sort of never happy with the results. And then after right. a few years, when people start to talk about it, it's like, huh. Hmm. <laughs> I did that, didn't I? I guess I did. <laughs> well, with all of these accomplishments, one question we like to ask our interviewees is, how did you begin? How did you begin dancing and how did you get introduced to the world of dance sport? So I started dancing when I was very, very young. I was just three years old. Um, mm -hmm. And I obviously don't remember it because I was so young. Mm -hmm. But my mom tells, tells me that I was always fascinated by seeing dance sports on TV because at the time it was really broadcast on mm -hmm. everything called Eurosport, which was one of the main sports channels. And there were these competitions and I would sit in front of the TV and go, dress, 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 dress. Um, so actually I started dancing apparently because I loved dresses. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I was a little girl at three years old. So that's, oh, you know, what can you like? All the colors, the sparkles. Yeah. And it was pink. My mom tells me that the dress that I liked was pink. So, you know, that's, where it was at Very and nice. um so i joined the school in here in ljubljana slovenia and my first teacher was actually natasha ambrosch who some of you may know because ah. she was really involved with technique in the wdsf mm -hmm. and stuff like that and my first lesson was a great success because apparently i spent the whole lesson crying and <laughs> hanging off her leg so i was immediately champion material as you can imagine right, <laughs> but yeah. that's my story and how it began <laughs> Well, that's interesting. It's always interesting what we hear from our dancers, how they begin dancing. But now, as you grew up, as you grew older and you started achieving more titles, you actually discussed this a little bit earlier. Because now my second question is, what does it take to be satisfied with your performance on the floor? Now, clearly, when you're young, you have a little more fun on the floor and junior levels, you're more worried about, you know, are you sharp? Are you not sharp? Do you have the correct hair? But then as you grow up older into the youth, the under 21 and the adult, what would you say uh, would, would make you satisfied with your dancing? How would a dancer watch a video of his and say, hmm, I'm happy? You know, funnily enough, I don't think it, the satisfaction of, of your, with your performance has necessarily anything to do with either results or actually seeing yourself dance. Mm -hmm. um, I think as you grow older and you get more experienced, I think it's more about 
it's gonna sound really crazy, but mm -hmm. the performances that I am most satisfied with are those that I can't really properly remember. And I'm gonna explain mm -hmm. what I mean. Okay. Um, you know, when you get like sort of in this state of flow, when mm -hmm. everything just feels so effortless and you feel right. so connected and everything mm -hmm. just clicks. And this, by the way, obviously we know happens like 10 times in 10 years, <laughs> if that much. Um, you just sort of wake up out of a trance in the end of the dance and you're just like, oh, you know, I did the waltz or I did the show or I did this or I did that. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's really more about how dancing makes you feel than necessarily what result it brings you or what, what you see on the video. And um, this is, I think, this, I mean, it comes with maturity, I think, also, because in the beginning, it's all about the results and all about, mm -hmm. you know, the dress. Yeah, the yes. But, so based on the feeling from the dancing, then you make the, the assumption. I see. Yeah. I think this is really sure. what it was for me, especially when we danced professional, you know, and it probably it also comes with the fact that you are already a world champion mm -hmm. or the finest. So you sort of have these results, you know, you have what you wanted mostly. And it's more about c focusing on the actual dancing and performing. on the quality of the dancing. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. I understand. So discussing this quality of dancing and moving forward about these world championships, how did you make use of the resources that you had to win the two world championships? So we were very lucky. Um, we still are because um, we were coached from the beginning of my career with Luca mm -hmm. by what we think are like the best in the dance for business who are Davide Canciari and Olga Garcina. And um, with our home, home team Diablo, and the resources that we have at our disposal there are really, I think, what is necessary to be a good dancer and performer and mm -hmm. then, of course, go on and um, achieve good results because we really had, you know, a very detailed plan of what it takes to be, to improve our dancing. It was always very improvement focused. So we had our lessons with our coaches and we had our lessons with our technical preparators who are Fabio and Marina Ferrari. And then Fabio Bosco and Marina Ferrari. And then we had our physical trainer there who specializes only in dance sports athletes. Um, so it was really, I don't want to say it was easy. It wasn't easy mm -hmm. at all, guys. Okay, of it's not easy, but easy. But it was easy from the sense that we had really everything that we needed in one place in Molinella, mm -hmm. in Italy. Um, so we really had a coach behind us. And I think that is one of the fundamental things that make, can make you successful or not, is to have that one person, that one team behind you who really guides your, your path towards improvement and then success. So to have a system, that there is a very clear system. And uh, you were talking about Rambo, yes? Marco Cavacini. Yes. We love you Marco. Love Last yeah. year we had Marco as a, as an interviewer guest as well. So, but yeah. So basically, to have a system and all of the system, every person on the system is all on the same page, same mindset. Correct? Exactly. Exactly. This is just what you said is exactly perfect because I feel like, especially in the past when I started dancing, and this is not a criticism of what it was because I was very successful also with my previous partner in a different system. Um, but as dance sport moves on and evolves and becomes more of an artistic sport than anything else, um, I feel like this mentality of having really a system and a plan and having this 
people work together and being your team and everybody goes towards the same goal and everybody mm -hmm. does their job, um, this is really crucial, I think. Without of course, it, of course. I don't know if anything like that will be possible. Mm -hmm. I see. Now, excuse me, you mentioned... Um, so the question now is, how do you develop and raise future champions? Now, you mentioned your coach, David and Olga. Well, they clearly raised you and you're a champion. So now, how do you go about developing and raising the next generation of champions? To be honest, in quite the same way that they worked with us, I feel like um, we were really so happy with how our career turned out and mm -hmm. the system we have behind. And we still use the same resources, even our couples that we, you know, bring up from complete zero here in Slovenia, you know, from the first steps and then they move on to the first competitions and they move on to achieving actually really good results or couples from somewhere else, not necessarily Italy. They follow the same steps. We follow the same methodology. We go, you know, they come also to Italy. They get, you know, it's, they become the part of the same dancing system that we're part of. And they, you know, on their individual level, of course, which is adapted then to fit a child mm -hmm. or a beginner or rather intermediate dancer, um, they get the same inputs of, you know, having this mindset of you have a coach and you have a plan. And, you know, it's small doses from the very beginning. They have mm -hmm. this mindset of what it takes to be good. Right. So very organized and very disciplined. Yes. I see, I see. Now, this next question I have for you might be a little bit deep and very philo philosophical. <laughs> Tell me, how do you instill long-lasting inspiration and passion in dancers? Now, some dancers I know are self-motivated. They motivate themselves either by watching videos or listening to some podcast or listening to my podcast. <laughs> or my podcast. Uh, or, or your podcast. <laughs> So there's a lot of dancers who are self-motivated, but then there are also dancers who maybe depend or require on maybe one person to motivate themselves or a team to motivate themselves. So how would you say is the best way to instill inspiration and passion within dancers? I think you sort of answered that question already because you said some dancers self-motivate, some dancers need a person, some dancers need, I don't know, something else. And it's really about the personal approach. I think that's the best way to go um, with, you know, creating this lasting motivation, this lasting um, will to dance and to be involved in this sport is to really get to know your dancers and get to know, find what is that thing that motivates them. And mm -hmm. then, you know, work on that and cultivate it because it's just so different for everyone. You know, some of them, right or wrong but we are all different people somebody's really motivated by results somebody by you know just general joy of dancing somebody needs to see great dancers regularly in order to be motivated because they want to be like them um but regardless of what type of a person you are i think that the best way is to really from the very beginning focus on motivating them through you know the joy of learning something you of mastering a step of having a really cool choreography of you know, being better than you were yesterday. And this is really not motivation through results um, because that is the one that is the least effective in the long mm -hmm. run. I feel like in, with yeah. most dancers, because you have to be really, either really exceptional or just really lucky to just have continuously great results. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, I didn't have that. I don't know about you. No, um, no. Yeah, so I think that, you know, it's very individual, but definitely, you know, the cool thing is to learn this. The cool thing is to mm -hmm. perform. The cool thing is to get better rather than, you know, right. the cool thing is to win. Mm -hmm. Of course, of course. And individually finding their own strengths, individually yeah. finding their own passions. I see. That's quite interesting. I like it. Now, if we could discuss a little more technical things. If we if we have a dancer, for example, let's say this dancer, uh, his passion, let's say his inspiration that we're discussing is to be quite technical, but he's missing the show part. So how would you go about instilling the show? Okay. So what I mean by this is maybe this person individually uh, maybe is shy. Ooh, excuse me. That's kind of weird. My voice did something weird. Maybe he's a little shy. Maybe he's a little bit um, not so social. So maybe he doesn't have the presentation skills that maybe someone very social might have. He's great technical, but not so much in the show. So how would you go about fixing that? Um, I'm going to say something pretty weird again. Uh, okay. I don't think you can necessarily really fix that completely. <laughs> I feel like, I mean, obviously, as we are an artistic sport, the artistry and the presentation are also very important and um, we do need to work on that and definitely what I do what we do with our you know especially because we work with a lot of young dancers as well because they're growing up and you're in the teenage years and some you know all, all of a sudden also the most talkative people they become more shy and sometimes you know be awkward which is completely normal mm -hmm. um, we try to really First of all, show them, you know, get them in contact with the great dancers that we have in the team, you know, they mm -hmm. go on the competitions, they see how they act and how they present. And I feel like for, especially for young dancers, copying is a very good way of learning. Obviously this cannot be, you know, going on forever. You can't just be a copy of someone else, but in the beginning to get some inspiration and to just try to approach this showmanship like mm -hmm. um it's a very good way to go to be able to see and then also to just like normalize this thing that it is difficult you know for some people it's just difficult and you can tell them you know we tell them look i completely know because i was a pretty closed child when i was mm -hmm. younger it was very difficult for me to just you know go on the floor and just bring it and just yeah, yeah. you know being there so you learn mm -hmm. um but what i meant by necessarily not being able or having to focus all of their energy on fixing that one thing. You know, we all have our strengths and we all have our weaknesses. And it's very, I would say that it's impossible to become amazing at what your weakness is, but mm -hmm. you can become amazing at your strengths. So yeah, working on what they're not so good at, but not focusing all of that energy on the thing that's bad. Right, right. Bad. Just really make the other thing extraordinary. Mm -hmm. and then make the other thing okay and you sort of have a better Down, chance right. being, yeah mm -hmm. then focusing on the you know on the weakness and you never you're never going to be extraordinary at mm -hmm. what you're weak at this is i see opinion. it makes a lot of sense i think generally in a lot of topics uh or especially as this one there needs to be a good balance a balance of as you said do we fix something that's terrible or do we make something that's good even better and if we can make terrible to okay and now we have okay better it's good to have a balance i agree 100 percent. now uh, discussing a little bit about balance i did want to ask you now you are a 10 dance world champion but i do have to ask you what's your favorite style of dancing is it the standard or the latin 
I'm going to be a typical 10 dancer and say, I don't know, <laughs> really, <laughs> really. I, um, you know, I don't think there's a single couple in the world out there who has the exact same level of dancing and results mm -hmm. in both disciplines. They're just, I mean, otherwise yeah. we would have the same couple winning the Latin and the standard section of the world championship. That's right. And I think that's really, I don't know, I'm not going to say it's impossible because then somebody's going to prove me wrong. Um, but I think it's very difficult. So mm -hmm. our results as a couple with uh, Luca and also with my previous partner was always better in standard, mm -hmm. um, which might have to do with our quality of dancing, might have to do with the way we looked, might have to do with a lot of things. Um, but I could not give up either one. Right. And even, okay. now, even now teaching and performing, it's just, it's just very equal. Mm -hmm. I see, I see. It makes a lot of sense. Now, uh, since you can't pick your favorite between standard and Latin, here's what you need to try. You need to try American smooth and American rhythm. <laughs> you know, I'm go you're going to feel I'm awful now. I'm not going to go like, what's the difference? Because I don't know these two disciplines at all, these two you dance know? styles. I mean, I saw, you know, when we used to go to LA to competitions when there was a Grand Slam series there, and I saw what I think was American smooth, um, mm. which is amazing. Love it because it's sort of like show dance. You know, mm -hmm. it's much, it looks much freer. What was the other one again? American Rhythm, which has mambo, swing. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, please guys, don't hate me. It's not like, I just, I'm very European, okay? So I just don't know. <laughs> I'll be honest, when I, when I began dancing with my, with my current partner, Maddie, we began dancing two years ago. And we were going to do Latin and Standard 10 dance, but we were thinking, you know what? We also want to do American Smooth because I personally love American Smooth because I love the fact, honestly, if I had to describe American Smooth, it's like Latin and Standard put in one because uh, the lady wears a standard dress, but she tends to have a little cut for the leg in the gown. So it's, and the top tends to be a little more like sexy. So it's like a Latin and a standard dress. And then the gentleman, he doesn't wear a tail suit. He wears a vest and a tie and it's, they do box step, waltz frame, and shadow position, but then they open and tango, American smooth tango is my favorite. I love it. As for American rhythm, I don't know. I don't like mambo. Mambo is so hard for me. I, I don't even try. I did a group class in the mambo. I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> it was so hard. <laughs> but I do love American smooth. So from what you're telling me, I think American Smooth, smooth would be my jam. Not so mm -hmm. much American Rhythm then. <laughs> yeah. If you are here in America, we have to do an American Smooth Waltz and Tango together, okay? Done. Done. <laughs> okay. I'm there. Done. <laughs> good, 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 good. Now, let's move topics a little bit. Now, uh, a lot of people in the dance sport community know that you and your partner, Luca, had a very big influence in the Viennese Waltz. Now, tell us. Can you break it down a little bit for us? What influenced you to write the Viennese book? What made you say, you know what? I want to change the way that the dance sport world does the Viennese. I don't like the way we do the Viennese now. We need to do something about it. Let's do it. You know, I think like a lot of these things that turn into something huge. I mean, which this was huge for us, you know, the Viennese words, which you know, everyone dances now different things in. Um, it didn't start with, oh, I, we want to do this huge change in the dance sport business or whatever. It was just really, we were always um, 
very focused on having very different choreography. Our, you know, our routines were always pretty out there. Um, not necessarily thanks to us, but thanks to our coach, because he saw this ability, I guess, mm -hmm. in us. Potential. Um, and I'm going to just be very blunt here and just say, yeah. Vinny's Waltz was just boring. You know, there was not, and now half of the world is going to hate me now. It's going to leave. <laughs> They're just leaving the podcast. Or the, the Bye, guys. Movie. See you next Bye. time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but what I mean by that is just like, you know, if you have this freedom of expression and artistry in other nine dances, like, why do we need to dance these four figures in the Vinny's Waltz? Um, and I can appreciate the beauty of a well-executed natural turn, just, you know, the same as everyone else, but I don't want to see it for two minutes. You know, it's like, just, okay, do something else now, please. Um, so it was really, it started just because we, um, I remember it was before the Grand Slam in LA, actually. In oh, nice. 2000 and I have no idea, eight, seven, I don't know. Honestly, I forgot. Um, and we were like, we were just, you know, practicing in our home studio and we were like, oh, let's just do like an introduction or something. Let's just, let's just do something, you know, like an mm -hmm. intro. So we did like, um, I mean, it was like revolutionary. We did the double reverse spin, overspin, reverse turn, some pivot, you know, not really like a very mm -hmm. wow thing. And we went uh, to David and we showed him and he was like, what, if you're going to do it, let's, let's do a proper choreography. And mm -hmm. we're like, Ooh, okay. That sounds interesting. Um, so we choreographed it together and we, you know, he said, okay, now go and dance into the grand slam. And we're like, oh, are you sure? Like, <laughs> you know? And it actually never said anywhere that you're not allowed to dance different things in the Venus world. It just, nobody just, nobody that did it. So we went there and we danced this Venus world and, you know, we got like really good, obviously re response from the audience mm -hmm. because we were the only ones who were doing something else. And then the time the chairman was Speck and he was like, mm, please don't do this again. And we, <laughs> <laughs> we of course did it again. And then he came to us like, please, if you're going to do it in the semifinal, I'm going to have to disqualify And we're like, okay, well, maybe let's not do that. Um, but we did it again. Um, we didn't get disqualified because there was no grounds for it. But after that, after we came back, um, it's quite a long story. I'm so sorry for hijacking no, your Tell us, uh, tell us. We want your, to hear uh, your recording. But it's like, um, we came back and at the Dance Sport Academy of Team Diablo, every year we have technical exams, one mm -hmm. standard, one Latin. And sometimes we do this, these extra assignments, like extra projects to get a better grade, you know, it's just like in school. So we said, let's put some of these figures that we're dancing into the charts of a technique book and just present it to Fabio and Marina. And we did it. And the next thing we know, it's Davide um, at the meeting with Carlos Freitag, who was WDSF president at the time. And they called us over because he was in Italy. Like, you know, you should write in his was technique book. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> what <laughs> I was choked um so yeah what influenced us uh, the will the, the need to dance something different and then davide our coach as always you know pushing us an extra step and then the world i guess just needing that venus wants to be 
more elaborate because of the new judging system which was being mm-hmm. provided for um, all yeah, stuff and that's how it was sort of just oh my goodness well, talk to us a little bit about the congress what, what, what was going through your head what was going through the mind the because it was you and Luca made this technique book and you were ready to present it how does it feel going to the GOC and present this new initiative to all the to all the judges before was included in the technique book together with all the basic uh, figures, because there was no division, uh, we feel choreography. The levels of uh, open choreography, if you look on page 13, you see that there are three levels. Uh, these levels, our idea was not to divide the levels in the, uh, in the way that, I don't know, junior and youth couples could dance the first level, the amateur couples... Uh, I asked Benedetto and Claudia, Paolo and Silvia and Isaiah and Cinza to try to dance at the same time with the same music and try to watch what can happen, okay? interesting lecture about Viennese waltz, about the development, and uh, how was your feeling when you came to the floor? In the beginning, the beginning I was uh, really afraid because uh, I knew that everybody, they were not, uh, they didn't know what was going to be the lecture. And uh, but in the end, uh, I see the reaction. Everybody was standing. It was a standing ovation. Means that uh, this is the future where we have to go with this uh, this dance. I think I was afraid too in the beginning a little bit, but then I think they made a majestic and a job and I think I'm very happy about this and I think it's nice uh, to be to develop also this dance. I was very happy to see very different figures 
and I was also afraid because uh, especially coming from Vienna. I have a certain idea from the Viennese waltz, but uh, in the end, I must say, it was great what you did on the floor, what you showed us, and we would like to see it on the on the website. We will have a video, so thank you very much, and we will see how the development is going. Well, the judges, what was so that much. like? Well, we didn't sleep for a couple of nights before. Um, it was, I mean, it was a huge honor. It was really... Mm -hmm. Like we couldn't believe it was happening because, you know, you just feel so small in comparison to this, you know, the World Dance World Federation and all of the judges and you were still competitors. And I don't quote me on this because I'm not really sure, but I don't think that ever before a still active competitive couple did a lecture for the judges. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's sort of all upside down. Of course, if you think yeah. about it. Um, so this book was ready. It was obviously not the book that you see now. This is now the elaborate version. It's much mm -hmm. more. Um, there are many Detail. more, much more information, and it's you know the same idea that the clinic books, um, but it was a smaller, only figures and a few basic information was there. Mm -hmm. um, but still, it was it had our names on it. It had the WSF um, Academy logo mm -hmm. on it. You know, it's like wow. So we did this three-hour-long lecture. Um, don't ask me how it felt that one because I don't remember <laughs> the thing. I just remember going, like I inhaled before and I exhaled after. Mm -hmm. um, but it was, you know, again, it was great because we had our friends from the team there. You know, we had Paul mm -hmm. and Sylvia, you know, Paul that's was right. on, you know, we had Benedetto and Claudia. And Benedetto and Claudia, that's Benedetto. right. We had Isaiah and Cinzia there, I mean, demonstrating for us, our friends who we worked with and practice with all of our lives mm -hmm. basically there so it was again we felt less alone but it was still terrifying that is very nice very nice well from my perspective i watched the the youtube youtube broke it down in three parts and i watched them all and uh, you and luca looked very beautiful and handsome so i say oh, this thank congratulations you. <laughs> thank you very much it's I very nice that made sense actually but um <laughs> no yeah it was a huge honor and i'm really i i can i can say that it's um it took all of the fear of public speaking away because oh, after nice. that, nothing can be more terrifying than that experience in True. the dance for business. So now, you know, all the lectures. There are you go. Good, good, good. <laughs> now, now let's discuss a little bit prior to the GOC presentation. So before we have the final book, tell us while you were doing, while you were writing this book, what was the process like? What was the process of writing the book? Did you wake up at 9 a.m. and think, I have an idea? Or or did you say you tried some things, you did a reverse turn and then added uh, something to it? And tell us, what was the process of writing the book? Was it easy? Was it hard? Tell us. Um, it was not easy. And uh, it wasn't easy because as a dancer, and even sometimes as a teacher, you don't necessarily really think about what you're actually doing. You know, mm -hmm. like when you have to, you do it because you learn it. But then when you have to actually put it down in a chart and say like, okay, left foot, is it going forward or diagonally forward? Diagonally to the left. Diagonal you know, wall, diagonal center, two centimeters to the right. Exactly. You know, it's always <laughs> like, what am I actually doing? You know, and it was difficult from that point of view of really figuring mm -hmm. out what was it that we were actually doing. Um, we were, it wasn't like spontaneous, you know, waking up and, oh, I have an idea. 
uh, because we are both, me and Luca, we are quite structured in how we mm -hmm. work. Um, our brain doesn't work really like spontaneously. We just like sort of, you know, we're going to do organized. this. Yeah. Um, so we also knew that, if, I mean, even now, if you have a look at the book, there aren't um, the majority of the figures that are in there are figures that already existed in other dances. Mm -hmm. Most of them, not all of them. Some of them are hybrids, mm -hmm. but most of them that like, you have a hesitation change, which comes from the woods. You have it in quickstep. You have a throwaway oversway, which is not, you know, typically just Vinnie's woods book. Mm -hmm. uh, because we didn't, you know, to invent figures, like, like any other choreography, there needs to be room for expression of mm -hmm. other coaches and other people. So it was really transforming and making the steps fit to what the Venus Waltz is rhythmically and structurally, and also as far as character of the dance goes. So mm -hmm. most of the figures, they include the natural or reverse right. turn, a lot of them. Um, there are no feather steps, which oh. should not be there in my opinion. Um, so it was very structured. So we really thought about it a lot. And it was good that we've done all of those years of exams and studying technique at the academy because we sort mm -hmm. of had an idea of what the technique book should look like. So I see. Yes. And that was actually going to be my, my following questions. What were your thoughts on a feather stepping in the Flecker role and the Viennese waltz? You know, I, I think like we, this is a personal preference mm -hmm. of people, you know, I, as in other choreographies, you can't really prescribe what is, what is allowed and what's not once the couple is on the, you know, open level of choreography. Mm -hmm. But I just feel like certain very typical figures, mm -hmm. like a feather step, feather step belongs to the slow foxtrot, you know, progressive link mm -hmm. belongs to the tango, not in the waltz. You wouldn't do mm -hmm. it in the waltz. Um, I don't know, maybe follow a reverse pivot, maybe not necessarily the best fit for the Vinny's world. Um, and I'm not saying that there are not couples out there who can make it look beautiful, you know, mm -hmm. because they do, but I feel like there still needs to be a characterization to each dance. Mm -hmm. And just like you wouldn't do, as I said, for, I mean, maybe some people would, but I wouldn't do a progressive link mm -hmm. in the walls. Then let's not do a progressive further link in the, the walls. Yeah, it would be a bit. Everything can be done, you know, we had, you know, as I said, if you, we had some out there choreography, mm -hmm. but, you know, so yeah, just leave it in the slow box. Just you know, I'll have to say, I really like the way your mentality is because my mentality is, and I know sometimes I go too much with this. I have to restrain myself, but I like to do things that are so outside of the box so I can get the attention because right now. Um, for example, if uh, if a couple walks in forward, I walk in backward. If a couple walks in hand in hand, I'll walk in in shadow position just to set myself out different and be individual so I can get the attention. Granted, walking in backwards is an exaggeration, but I mean, doing things that stand out individually, doing new things, doing new initiatives that make me stand out and maybe even evolve the dancing a little bit. I'll be honest with you two seconds. During the Olympics, the figure skating Olympics, um, I watched one, I think it was uh, from Italia, from Italia, a figure skater, and he did a spin that I really, really liked. And I was like, I want to do that in my Roomba. <laughs> and so I, I took the spin and I'm training it to this day and I'm trying to put it in the Roomba. <laughs> so we'll see how it works. But I like the fact that 
You guys wanted to do something new, a new initiative, something outside of the box. And I like that. That's really cool. Yeah. You know, it's outside of the box is great. And I think that this example that you gave, you know, taking something from figure skating and putting it into your dancing, great, please go do it. You know, but it's still, I think, yes, in the boundaries of, mm-hmm. is it going to be a Roomba? You know, right. is it going to be a world? Is it going to be a winner's world? It's the same thing with, you know, the criticism that in the beginning, when people were seeing this choreography, it's like, oh, no, we don't like this and we don't like that. And then now it doesn't look like winner's world anymore. Yeah, it didn't because people had to learn mm-hmm. what is the right quantity of, you know, open figures versus mm-hmm. natural reverse turns and change steps. So that, you know, it's a balance. Like, everything you know sometimes mm-hmm. if you have a jumping quick step and no swing action in it it's no not swing. a great choreography so it's just it takes time and thought mm-hmm. and uh, going outside the box by all means i love when dancers go you know when they are different in their approach in their expression in their choreographies but i still want to see a latin american and a standard performance mm-hmm. i still want to see a waltz and a tango and a rumba and a samba I see, I see. I understand 100%. To maintain the characteristic of the dance. Exactly. Keeping the the lines, I see. Now, discussing the result of this new initiative, let's discuss a little bit. How do you feel the evolution of the standard style has changed since the publication of the Viennese Waltz book? So today, I guess we can take the, the World Championship in Bruno and the Professional World Championship as kind of the example. Uh, in 2021. So how do you feel that the evolution uh, of the standard style that the finalists danced, uh, their Viennese, how do you think the evolution has changed? And do you like it or not? I think that um, definitely it's changed, you know, from going from something which had, quite honestly, no choreography. We passed through the stage of, you know, people having to get used to it and figuring out the offbeat timing, figuring out what, what figures work and what doesn't work. And what I said before, the balance between the traditional Winnie's Waltz and what you can do with it now. And yeah, I like it. I like uh, what is happening. I like seeing that actually there's, I don't think there's a single couple out there in the final, at least, who is not doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no one who does not do a choreography. Everyone does something in their own style, in their own you know, personal preference with what their coaches think fits their dancing. Um, so yeah, I I think we have now five balanced standard dances instead of having a four and then mm-hmm. just a half dance, which is nobody wants to see and nobody wants to dance. Mm-hmm. Um, I still have some pet peeves when it comes to the choreography in Winnie's World, when people position the figures in the wrong place on the floor mm-hmm. and then they create problems for other dances. Like the flecker roll in the corner. (laughs) Yeah, but not so much in the corner. If you're really in the corner, that's fine. But Mm -hmm. don't put it in the middle of the long side when everybody's dancing the natural turns. You know, don't do this. I don't like the 7 million change steps in a row where people Mm -hmm. just like, you know, they they just go left and the right and the left and the right and the left Mm -hmm. and the right. Um, That's not, but that's my personal thing, which Mm -hmm. I don't like because it looks like they're just losing time before they move on because they're tired. Um, and they usually create issues for people who would like to dance. Yeah. But other than that, yeah, I think they're fabulous. So I'm pretty happy. I see. Very nice. Now, our final question to today, we'd like to discuss a little bit the reactions from, excuse me, the reactions of dancers, professionals, and people 
um, who saw the book. How did you manage opposing views and criticism regarding feedback on the Viennese book? What was it like? Um, okay, there was a lot of, you know, comments going around. Apart from yeah. being disqualified from the semifinal. No, 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 but we actually were not. We were just threatening oh. but we were not, we weren't. Um, we did have quite a lot of competitions that we actually won and people placing a seventh in the Venice votes because we were doing the choreography. Because we, oh, even wow. though the book was out, even though it was accepted by the RDSF, you know, some people had very strong beliefs, mm -hmm. which is fine, and I can, you know, respect that. But um, it, we were really at the point in our career at, the, at that time, and we were really just, you know, we weren't too bothered by it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that a lot of the criticism, a lot of um, negative feedback was from people who didn't necessarily even see the book or mm -hmm. read it. Um, so we did have quite interesting conversations with some teachers and judges, um, you know, following the publication of the book and following all of these things in the months and even years after, um, where we actually explained you know, how the Minis Waltz should be, like what is off big time, how does it actually work, that figures should have a details, detailed timing and the details rise and, rise and fall, and that there should be a balance between the traditional Minis Waltz and not. And very often after these conversations, our marks on the competitions changed mm -hmm. for the better. So I think it's, you know, it is what it is. It's what like with everything else, when there's something new, Someone's gonna like it or someone is gonna hate it. And what's important is that the most of the people liked it. And you know, nowadays everyone dances it in, you know, mm -hmm. at least in our um side of the, you know, uh, not so sure about you know the other uh, couples, but in WDSF, you know, dance board from the junior on, everybody does something and they start learning it, and I think it's great. Well, now I'd like to ask you kind of triggered a, uh, a question. Now we, the WDSF is quite influenced by your uh, by the book and this new choreography. What do you think, in your professional opinion, how do you think we would be able to get all dancers to uh, evolutionize to progress the Viennese wall? Because uh, what's the Peter Maxwell has the quote: "The evolution progress." Um, uh, he's got a quote. Uh, it's not on the top of my head. I read it the other day. But evolution never stops. Something, something of these words. Yeah. Something like this. So how can we continue for all dancers to progress the dancing, progress, uh, and maybe not only the Viennese, all dances, but more specifically the Viennese? How do you think we would be able to move the mindset forward? I think this is a really difficult question. Um, I think that, you know, I never up to this point. I haven't met a couple who honestly tried dancing the Venus World's choreography up to a certain point and then went back to just natural reverse dance. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's all about how open-minded people are about trying different things, you know? And mm -hmm. I think the wrong way to go is to impose, you know, you have to do something or you're not allowed to do something. Um, because there is just no reason for it. And the logic of having other four standard dances and five Latin American dances who, where you can do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. I mean, there is just no logic in keeping the Venice Waltz 
restricted. Why would you? Why why would you? It's just like saying to someone, no, 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 in the walls, you just have to close your feet in every single figure. You, just, you can just dance the basic syllabus. Like, why would you want to do that when people are mm -hmm. creating beautiful, amazing things in all of the other dances? So I think just, guys, just try it. Just, just try it. Try just it. do it. Just Hashtag night. Just, just do it. Exactly. And then once you try it and do it and you like it, then you try American Smooth. <laughs> exactly. You know, I would try American Smooth. You should try the Venus there you go but Abby, well said well said <laughs> all right Tiacha, well thank you so much for joining us on scolora dance sport we really enjoyed having you here and thank you for sharing all of your professional thoughts on the viennese and your dance career and say a big hello to mr luca bussoletti who uh we have a small announcement we'll see him very soon on scolora dance sport yeah thank you so much for having me and it was really nice chatting to you i hope to see you soon in person that's now right that, uh, now that you know all of these restrictions are lifting and stuff, and we sort of hopefully can my, go back my beautiful to... my beautiful dance partner and I will be in uh, Molinella at the end of March, so we'll see well, you soon. Well then, well then, and well, American Smooth then, you know. That now, now we have to have American Smooth there in the Team Diablo. I <laughs> 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 uh, joke, I joke, but uh, it was a big pleasure. Okay, Tiasha, we will see you later in the live. Ciao, ciao, Tiasha. Grazie. Ciao. Bye.